Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhardt, good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> good morning for somebody. Good afternoon for the rest of us. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, folks. Uh, this is episode 79, if you can believe that, with Mr. Gregory Kresge uh, from heading up Miko's Renewable Energy Department. Uh, welcome, Gregory, back to the show, Solar Coaster veteran. Glad to be back. Thanks. Should I call you Greg? Probably. Yeah, call me Greg. Greg. That's good. Uh, Gregory. Okay. It's, it's kind of like the what's, Josh. What's your Joshua official thing. title these days? <laughs> uh, I am manager of renewable energy projects at Maui Electric. That's, that's the one it. Yeah, okay. okay, so really Manager great to have renewable energy project. Greg here because, you know, he really uh, has a kind of inside uh, ticket to the whole big show, right? So you <laughs> know what's going on. And, and I'm going to give you some thanks, too, and because, you know, you, you brought us out. We did the Molokai show with you. That was super exciting and informative for us, really helped round out our knowledge of what you're dealing with because it's kind of an approachable picture, right? We could see and understand kind of like a smaller scale version of other grids. And it was kind of like, oh, I get that. I kind of yeah. understand how it all fits together. So thank you so much for a Affording us the chance to un- yeah. you know, better ourselves <laughs> in the the big uh, renewable energy picture, right, Jay? So um, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> this is going to be a great show. We're going to get a chance to talk about uh, all of the uh, programs on offering. You have this color-coded kind of menu of solar programs that are, it's kind of unprecedented. I mean, how much is available now from the utility? Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, this was announced, this new particular program we're particularly interested in discussing is NEM Plus, which is the program that allows for integration of PV batteries or the combination to, for all of the existing 71,000 NEM holders out there. Am I right yep. on that number? <laughs> yep. That's Something correct. around there it changes all the time. It fluctuates. Okay, it fluctuates. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be changing. Are people dropping off? <laughs> well, there's still some NEM systems out there that have to be installed too, right? That have. Uh, oh wow! There's still we're still working off that yeah. that queue. I was yeah. talking to some folks over in Sprecksville that were trying to get one of the. You know, they want to talk <laughs> everybody, about. Everybody wants it. Not everybody can have it. <laughs> right. Okay. Right, so it's going right. to be a great show. So we get started, Jay. Absolutely. All right. Hey, folks, we are The Solar Coaster, a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Koi 1110 a.m. Also got some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. We have a great website. Website www.solar-coaster.com. You can go there and listen live. Uh, check out all the images. <clears throat> Pardon, we've been picking up through our travels <laughs> recently. Uh, of course, all our previous shows go up there. So if you have an interest in anything in solar and renewables, we've probably talked about it at this point with 79. Josh, we're coming up on three digits. <laughs> I know, man. I'm so stoked to get to 100. It's going to be a big party. We'll let everybody know where it is. Heck yeah. Um, but then get, get on the mailing list down the bottom of the page. Scroll down there. Um, fill in your, your address. And you can also, there's a space for questions. So if you have a question that you want to get on the air, you can't call us. Call in during, during regular show hours. Fill it in there, and we'll get your question on the air again. That's solar-coaster.com. Absolutely. We're also on podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn all carry the Solar Coaster. So load us up, Solar Coaster, the little yellow SC logo pops right up, and you can take us everywhere you walk or run. <laughs> hey, folks, this is a call-in show. Uh, 242-7800 is the call-in line. If you'd like to give us a call, stump us, or have questions for Greg Kresge here from Maui Electric or for uh, myself or Jason, please do. We love to have callers. We had some great callers last week. And, uh, you know, this this show here has been a labor of love, but it's been sponsored by some great companies too. Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric, America, Sonin, the uh, previously named Sonin Battery, Sonin, uh, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Now, there's a, a handful of great projects that these fel- folks are doing. Sonin is doing some amazing stuff with Ecolinks and Pantech and Crestron and Smart House stuff, which we're going to tell you all about, Greg. You're going to love this. hear about in just a bit. 
right? And then uh, Pika is, right, I think it's a NEM Plus play for sure. And then Pika's doing yep, some amazing yep. stuff. They got a new AC coupled product out there. Uh, they've been increasing their battery uh, sizes, their, di their discharge amounts, you know, for a given battery, and also reducing costs. Just got an email from Pika the other day. They reduced their battery cost in while they're increasing sizes. So thank you, Pika, for making that kind of math work. Uh, Tabuchi's getting deployed in mass. And then Sundrum Solar, I know there's a big Sundrum uh, system going in and a lot of other quotes happening. So these guys are all out there doing business in Maui. It's great stuff. Um, so we jump into our news and events section right away because we got so much to talk about um, the solar sector uh, to add 552 gigawatt by 2027 now that's not the 2040 or 2045 line that's 2027 I said uh, this is a new report coming uh, our way through PV magazine but actually from the Fitch Solutions macro research group mm. um, they are go digging deep to what's going on globally um, there's a significant reduction in overall um, year over year kind of deployments in China, but uh, all told, it's it's not going to slow down <laughs> anytime soon. So solar is still on the uptake. That's that's the big the big takeaway. Um, a part of that market though is interesting is the what you you called global the the, the photo floating voltage. You called it photovoltaic. Is that what you said? Photovoltaic. And, and, and I and, and I thought that was like a common industry trend, but we went out to um, to SP. PI and and I heard a bunch of people laugh at that like they'd never heard it before, <laughs> but apparently, but but apparently the market could support. I'm talking about floating area only uh, about 400 gigawatt worth of capacity globally. That's already that's already um, kind of spec'd out. So so nice flat area of, of water. Um, not being used for much, especially the freshwater, like reservoirs and stuff. People really want to cover these with solar and, and get some dual use out of it, which makes a lot of sense to me. My dual, concern... Dual use meaning you, you, you counter evaporation. Yeah. Is that what you mean? You can counter evaporation and you're also, of course, generate, you're, you're capturing that energy. So it, it makes it a, a reservoir. Instead of just sitting there as a body of water, they're actually getting revenue off of that, that area. And it's not competing with other land interests, land-based interests. You know, it's interesting so you had that, that graph all, there. All positives. Uh, yeah, they had that yeah. graph there, Jay, where they actually map out, it says, uh, peak capacity and energy generation potential of floating solar on freshwater man-made reservoirs by continent. <laughs> they did the math yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, Thank you. I love math over the people place. like yeah. that, right? That's amazing. Yep. One of the things that occurs to me here, and I, and I won't belabor this point, but it's, it's interesting. You said it looks pretty volatile, right? It, 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 it could kind of have a hard time in a storm. And these need to be well, anchored. This is what yeah, this is what we talked about that before the show. We, we made the mistake. We always don't try not to talk before the show. We made the Start mistake chatting. of actually talking about a lot of this beforehand. <laughs> um, so so my, my biggest concern is none of these areas. There's now, now about 1.1 gigawatt worth of solar floating uh, around the world. None of these have hit, been hit by an extreme weather event yet. And uh, the land-based ones I can see being relatively stable. But these things will get torn apart. <laughs> and That's an interesting I'm, question. I'm interesting worried question. about it. Yeah. All right, all right. I would, I, I, I would, could, I would worry heavily about that. I, I could do so. a whole show riffing on that right now, but we're not going to do that. So, uh, absolutely, absolutely. how about we go to batteries? We just did photovoltaics. We talked about the uh, expansion of PV. Okay. What's going on battery, with batteries? Battery, we know. Yeah, battery, we know is is the prices are coming down. The adoption is going up. But uh, Bloomberg New Energy Finance has significantly increased its forecast for global deployment of energy storage, um, <laughs> both behind the meter and grid scale stuff. Uh, the interesting thing, and you, Greg, you might be able to comment on this, is that for the next few years, they're talking about um, a lot of grid scale stuff being installed. But after <laughs> that, it actually transitions over 
to more after after between like the mid 2030s or so to uh, behind the meter storage dominating all the deployments out hmm. there uh, why is that and and what what are the imp implications hmm. well i think uh, it goes all, it, it probably goes in line with um, what we had discussed before in hawaii pv um, individual rooftop pv makes a lot of sense right but when you get into the mainland uh, or some other places where PV uh, can't compete as well with, you know, your your return on investment takes a really long period of time because you're getting $0.05, cent, $0.11 cent energy, then you're talking about when the PV makes sense is when you do it in this big utility scale mm -hmm. environment. And I would I would think the batteries, is it, it has that same sort of thing, which, you know, to make that investment in batteries, you need to have a certain amount of return on investment. And I don't think that people are quite there yet. I mean, maybe with the recent fires and stuff that are happening where people are getting shut off now, like in California, they're getting shut off in advance if, there's, if they're thinking that they're going to have a mm -hmm. uh, extreme hot event or something like that. Now they might be, you know, potentially thinking about uh, providing some of their own backup power. However, um, however, the... Uh, you know, with this, I think it goes in line with battery investments are still relatively expensive as far as, you know, if you're just going to get it and you're, you're trying to offset your, off, offset your 5 cent, 11 cent kilowatt per hour. So in the beginning, it makes sense for that to be a big grid scale sort of thing because you're, you're doing the same thing as the PV systems. Now, as that piece of the pie gets smaller and smaller and smaller, it doesn't make sense to be doing those big um, anymore, and then in addition, like Bloomberg, if they're if they're predicting that battery mm -hmm. prices are going to continue to to drop, then that return on investment uh, because gets uh, closer and closer, and then you start having the ability of, you know, then you're looking at grid services and more of that smart grid approach, which is you start to play more in as a as a residential customer or distributed mm -hmm. customer into actually grid services. So I right, think that's right. that's that's the phase that we're going through right now. We're still in the utility scale. Uh, Hawaii sees it sooner than a lot of other places because of the return on investment, but I think the rest of the nation is going to come along right. as well. Right, interesting. Yeah. And that was part of their predi <clears throat> prediction here that their, their battery prices will decline 50%, 52% um, over the next um, decade. So that's that's like half as half as much <laughs> as yeah. all these other batteries. Exactly. And what, one gigawatt nice. hour? One cumulative, global cumulative storage deployments of one gigawatt uh, by 2040? Is that what they're talking about here, Jay? It's like, that's the scale uh, of it? No, 2,857 gigawatt hour by 2040. Wow. 2,857 <laughs> Oh boy, okay. All uh, right. Attracting approximately 1.2 trillion dollars over the next 22 years <laughs> those are some big numbers those are some big numbers. it's a big number yeah it's i mean it's really hard to wrap your head around those kinds of numbers i mean but it literally is the global market right absolutely um, well what do you think i mean right. talking about that dr and the and the, the vpp kind of uh you know last piece of that puzzle like greg mentioned this next article from solar power world talks about sonin partnering with a uh, a net zero home company did you take, take that one out as well jay yeah, absolutely. And Sonin, um, we, we met with them at SPI, talked about their new um, AI kind of uh, software-driven smart home platforms. Um, they're doing some really neat stuff. I mean, they're literally the first ones to kind of kind of try to make this the whole package. And it makes sense that they're partnering with uh, what was the name Pearl Homes, Pearl Homes. Um, for a deployment for an, for an entire uh, community in Florida. That's going to be 148 homes uh, comprised of. Uh, 
a second development that's 720 apartments. I mean, it's going to be a huge, huge community, but its its goal is complete net zero energy. And I mean, they could, I could absolutely see Sonin making that happen. Yeah, well, Sonin, I mean, what's exciting about this is we, we've just been through this kind of educational process with the Sonin Ecolinks uh, product. So we're you know pretty intimately aware of what this is meant to do. So if there's, yep. I mean, I wonder what functionality they're specking into these homes. And we're talking, have you, have you had a chance to check out Ecolinks yet, Greg? It's, it's pretty exciting, especially from I a NAM Plus perspective. Mm. You know, it's, it's Sonin, uh, mm. but they've notably changed the color of their encasement to, uh, from white to black, which makes it look like a monolith from 2001 Space Odyssey, which is how we created the show art. And uh, basically they have nice. this... Uh, Crestron partnered uh, system. Jay, if I misspeak, let me know. But basically, they're able to um, integrate smart house features with the storage system. So imagine you're tapped into meteorological data, hurricanes approaching, fires approaching. We think we're going to get an outage. What do you want to do? And that pops Jarvis, right? Uh, and then I think it should be Jason's voice. Uh, and it says, hey, what would you like to do? <laughs> oh, God, nobody, that wants, so, nobody wants yeah, that. It's a nightmare. <laughs> and it's, but yeah, you no, it comes up and gives you the choice of what it's what it's going to ask for. Right. Yeah, really exciting stuff. So maybe they're going to be doing that. We should talk to Sonin and get a sense for what their plans are for this community. All right. What about what is the next one, Jay? Uh, do you want to jump over to uh, the um, uh, not the, the 120? That's the most exciting one of the day, right? Got you there, Jay. <laughs> okay, well, we have a, um, uh, looks like we got a technical problem there. Um, Gary, check that out, please. So we got a, uh, a, a great article here from um, uh, Green Tech Media, where the uh, Oak Ridge National Lab unveils a 120 kilowatt wireless EV charging system. We were just talking about this before the show, Greg. And basically, what we're looking at here is amazing, because really, we're talking about um, something that is able to charge an electric vehicle at 120 kilowatts, and inductively. Right, so wireless. Uh, we if there's nothing like this in market, to my knowledge. Uh, it could be used for like it's it's the same uh, uh, power capability of like the Tesla supercharger. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, this <clears throat> has the implication that you could have you know uh, wireless charging of your car. You come right in at 120 kilowatts. I mean, how fast do you charge? Oh, it looks like there's Jay again. There we go. We got our guy back probably. All right. So um, yeah, it looks like you'll be able to have the capability to uh, charge a 100 kilowatt hour Tesla Model S in a very short period of time. I mean, maybe like minutes, not hours, mm -hmm. right? So if you can imagine, that'd be pretty exciting. Um, I think this is one of the coolest things that's happening right now. I don't know how far from market we are with this uh, 120 kilowatt system, but it says, um, let's see here boosting power delivery and exploring partnership with manufacturers. So I'd say that we're something that will come to market, maybe not this year, but certainly in, this, in the soon time, we can start to see that. So very, um, very, very near term. But the most interesting thing to me was that they've gone um, from from transferring 20 kilowatts in, at 90 percent efficiency to 120 kilowatts at 97 um, percent efficiency. It's, it's all about the efficiency with wireless charging. You got to you got to remember that it's it's broadcasting electromagnetic radiation and the radiation just goes everywhere. It's not easily not easy to focus, but they've been able to generate these these coils in, in computer simulations that really tar focused the target of where the energy goes. And that's the reason why they're getting these efficiencies. Um, but it's also over a very rapid time frame that they're making these strides. So I would fully expect to see even 98 pretty soon. I don't know if you're ever going to get that in real world, you know, because people don't park straight. 
but <laughs> <laughs> but but it's but it's going to be something that you can what definitely about, do. Okay. You could actually grow one the, out. One uh, of the things that seems uh, seems seems sorry to interrupt you, Jay, but one of the things that just nope. shouts out at me here is safety. I mean, is how does that is there is, is there any kind of studies? Are there any kind of discussions going on about having that amount of energy moving through the air right next to you? I mean, is that am I am I crazy to ask that question? No, I think that's a good <laughs> question to ask. <laughs> You don't want to get between the charger and your car. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Don't stick your hand under there while it's in <laughs> while it's in in, in functioning. But um, I, I, there's a lot of safety mechanisms that go into place with a system like this when they finally roll it out for for retail consumption. Right. Right. Uh, it's going to be able to tell if something's in the way because human beings are made of water. We absorb radiation. Uh, it's going it's it's going to cause artifacts, and the system will know how to detect that by then. It's also not going to be on all the time. So if somebody pulls away from the parking spot, it's not sitting there broadcasting radiation into the stratosphere. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> it's, it's going, it's, it will shut itself off. And you know, it sounds like this this increasing power capability for charging and discharging is kind of integral to the possibility of dynamic roadway charging. So because you can't create like coils yes. throughout the entire roadway when you're when you when you're trying to charge a car in motion, but if it has, you know, really high power capability, then you could do it in like a segment of the road, right? Is that what they're talking about here? Yeah, really, really, really small, really small sections of the road. That was, remember when we were talking about it, if you um, could, I think it was, what was number five, like 5%. Mm. If you could oh, actually right. electrify only 5% of a normal commute, you'd be able to perpetually keep the char car charged. The issue is that it has to reach those like plug-in kind of level charging. And that's what they're doing here. Absolutely. So it's certainly possible to have just let's for example for us the the Haleakala highway is electrified there that's the only I road keep that seeing is that. But once, that's the one <laughs> but once but once but once you get there it's the whole way down it's it's pulling energy from the regenerative braking it's pulling energy from the roadway and you literally charge your car all the way down the hill or up the hill and I think up the hill is probably more useful for a lot of people. <laughs> so th this this is going to be where we, we ask Elon Musk to come on the show. We do this every show. And <laughs> he hasn't responded yet. But literally, I'm going to tell a quick story. I have 20 seconds here. About seven years ago, um, a buddy of mine uh, listened to Elon Musk talking at Mama's Fish House about uh, dynamic roadway charging in Maui. Right, and he came to a baby shower that I, that was at my house, and he said, "You got to hear this story, Josh." And he tells me this story about how animated and excited Elon Musk was, right? And then, of course, me and Jerry yep. are sitting around talking about this, so we make a model with a twenty-foot-long slot car of this thing, you know, yeah. and then we start playing it to trade shows and have fun with it at the Maui County Fair and stuff like that. So now that this is possible with this one hundred and twenty kilowatt uh, charger, we need Elon Musk out here on the show to deploy this thing on Haleakala <laughs> Highway, please, Elon. Your vision is ready to be accomplished in Maui. All right, so well, the cars <laughs> need to be compatible too, and I think that's yeah. that's going to be kind of a conversation that guy make where cars? we have all these oh we have we have competing plug standards already i don't want to see a competing uh wireless charging format that doesn't work <laughs> with certain i mean you gotta you gotta have the right coil it needs to be open sourced <laughs> hardware for whatever reason i mean just just make it available for, for people to either either use or uh license at a reasonable cost so that a lot of manufacturers can get into the space and and actually make it work across all vendors, absolutely. All, all the vehicles, absolutely. Hey Jay, why don't you pick one or two of these Hawaii ones? Let's just roll through that so we can jump onto our main topic here with Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Hawaii looks to add 260 megawatts of solar and one gigawatt hour of storage. Yay! I mean, since we have Greg in the room, this is this is a nice, easy, <laughs> easy, easy, easy comment. Uh, the interesting thing about this article though I mean it, it makes perfect sense we need more ballast on the grid we need more batteries and we just talked about that before but um, the number here is a little <laughs> skewed that the, 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 the industry standard is like three to one 
on gigawatt hour of storage of storage versus solar deployment. Mean when you this look at like actually, a like a, like a is, regular yeah, commercial is, install, for example. Yeah, this is this is actually four to one, and I was wondering if there was a specific reason for that, uh, whether it's just we need more we need more because we already have a preponderance of solar, or is it down to our ability to generate? What what what's driving that that factor <clears throat> of battery hour, megawatt hour storage? So, <clears throat> I think I can answer that question. Sure. I'll try. I'll take. I'll take a stab, and hopefully, I, I may get. <laughs> I may get a text that says, "You know, stop talking, Greg," uh, uh, from okay. my counterparts. But um, <clears throat> I think what we're really looking at right now is the next step for us is to take that. Um, and we always talk about this in terms of batteries and and that sort of thing, which is what is the battery function? And a battery can function and do several different things. But one of them, and the thing that we really need to to see. <clears throat> for the PV installations that we have, especially like on Molokai, is we need this time shifting of energy component, which is we need to take energy from the time that's being produced and the time when we're really, you know, we're getting down on the duck curve, we're getting way down to minimal levels where we're where it's starting to compromise, you know, um, regulating down, which is, you know, our ability to move yeah, on the where, grid. Where your, in, where your instability comes from, right? That's, yeah. That's the and so what we want to do is we want to shift that to the evening peak. Now, the thing is, is that the evening peak is like a four hour period of time. So what we're what you're seeing in these batteries is it doesn't work for us to have just a, you know, a one megawatt hour battery or, or some short duration. Right. We want to be able to take that energy, time shift it and basically take everything that would be produced during the day, spread that out over three or four hours. So I think that's where the sizing of the battery comes in, because then you're actually, um, then from a renewable perspective, you're actually offsetting actual generation, right? And then spinning reserve right. and things like that. Now, the common person out there might not know what spinning reserve is, but spinning reserve is what we need to keep moving on the grid, meaning that we're burning fuel to create reliability so that in case we have to fluctuate up and down and we do quite often we have to be able to respond to to demand we you know the people come home they turn on their washers dryers they they, they we have a six to nine peak for a reason that's because that's when people come home from work you know they're they're turning everything on cooking doing watching tv and um, those that's not a, an even you know flat line there's a whole bunch of little spikes and you know peaks and valleys in there so as the need for electricity increases we have to ramp up the generator well that sometimes can be in seconds and so we have to have the ability of that generator to be able to move up and be able to meet that need so but in the meantime if it needs to go down and it's down at a lower level the extra capacity it's not using meaning let's say a 10 megawatt um, unit is running, you know, you have 10 megawatts right now, but it's capable of doing 12 megawatts. It has two megawatts of spinning reserve, meaning that it has the ability to move up to that level. Now, we have to keep a certain number of generators on to be able to provide that reserve. That is fuel that is being burnt that isn't actually creating electrons right at that moment. So, <clears throat> so what these batteries what the idea is is that if you can reduce the reliance or the the requirement of that spinning reserve you can actually reduce the number of generators that you would actually have to run during that amount of time so does that make right. sense right. Yeah. so what I, what I heard is that batteries uh, being deployed they're, they're actually reducing your spinning reserve requirement and therefore reducing the fuel that you're consuming 
uh, on the, is that, is that, is that basically it? Yeah, so they, they offer what we call regulating reserve. So they would, now they don't take away the need for, this is the big, you know, this is the complicated picture, but they don't take away the need for inertia, which is the movement on, on the grid of the electrons and, and that ha coming from a spinning mass to be you able still to, need that regardless. You still have to have that because we have to ride through faults and, you know, a whole bunch of other things that it provides. So um, that you cannot necessarily get from a battery. So a battery is really good mm -hmm. at injecting quickly and, and injecting uh, a certain amount of energy, but you still need that spinning reserve. Gotcha. I mean, spinning mass. Gotcha. So just c continuing right. to reduce the reliance on fuel as much as possible, yeah. right, through that particular mechanism. Yeah. So, okay, okay. So uh, and, and, and if, if, if approved, just so everybody knows, it's, it's, it's 1.2 million barrels of fossil fuel that these would be projected to offset. So, I mean, it's, it's a significant amount of fuel 1. at the end of the day. That's, wow, on an annual basis, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, so if you look at our sustainability <laughs> report, recent one, we've gone from, you know, 11 million uh, gallons, uh, uh, sorry, 11 million barrels down to eight, and now if this reduces to another 1.2, you know, that's a pretty that's significant. The three islands, the three, the yeah, three companies. Three companies. Uh, so from 11 <clears> down <throat> to eight, maybe one more, so you're down to seven. So you're really a significant reduction over the course oh, yeah. of, what is that, over a 10-year period or over what, what period of time? Um, I'd have to go back and look, but I thought that was since 2012. 12. Wow. That's pretty significant right yeah. there. I mean, those numbers are really <clears> nice. Understand. Okay, Jay, always, do you want to always cool? You want to plug another one? One, or you one, wanna, more, one yeah. more real quick, and then we'll go to a commercial. Um, so because this is interesting to me as well. We had talked to Greg before about um, cellular deployment, and this this ties right into that distributed energy resource uh, model. Ownership transfer of utility poles um, in Hawaii is being transferred back. It was but they um, were jointly owned between uh, Hawaiian Tel and uh, Hawaii Electrics. Uh, companies and more than uh, 100,000 jointly owned poles will be transferred back to Hawaii Electric exclusively. Are you um, are you happy about that? Are we are you planning on running out running rolling out your own cellular networks to, to support these DERs? <laughs> no, so I think I think you're not going to see <laughs> the, the the typical customer is not going to see much of a difference. But what it does allow us to do is that with us having full control of the pole. Then when we go forward with improvements where we do want to put additional things, and we're talking about smart grid here, right. we're talking about grid mm, modernization yeah, yeah. and, you know, things like that. Um, instead of having to get an agreement from another party uh, on, on moving forward with these things, you, we still provide the space to, you know, the telecommunications industry and cable and, you know, that sort of thing. And that's where, you know, you'll see on the polls you have the lower level <clears throat> is the, you know, telecommunications and, and cable and then above that you'll have the electric lines and and so that that visual is probably not going to change very much but what it does is it does shorten the amount of time that it takes to get permitting and and agreements in place to be able to use the pole mm -hmm. for for various purposes um, such as you know street lights and you know other things that would potentially be on the pole Gotcha. Gotcha. So <coughs> streamlining the uh, smart grid that's that's coming soon. So very good. Yeah, that's, that's 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 the way I saw it. I, I like I like the idea. Yeah, it's good. We're we're, we're definitely in support of. <laughs> okay, let's jump over to our commercial break. We'll come back and we'll jump right into these new offerings, Nem Plus, all this great stuff with Greg Kresge from Maui Electric. Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. 
it is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly Software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. All right. Thank you, sponsors, for keeping the Solar Coaster on air for 79 glorious episodes. Uh, we're back here with uh, Mr. Greg Kresge, uh, manager of Renewable Energy Department at Maui Electric. And uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting time, Greg. So uh, there's so much going on uh, at the utility. <laughs> Look at this guy. There's so much going on at the utility here with all these different programs. Uh, we really want to get a sense for maybe, can you give us an overview of, of, of what, what's out there? And then, you know, just kind of give your kind of frame. Can you frame it for us? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, when we started the program and it's the coaster, I feel like I'm in the front seat on the coaster <laughs> and the back seat on the coaster. <laughs> so uh, I, I sit in two seats and I have to straddle between all of them. Um, yeah, so so we have a whole bunch of, of new programs that came on, um, actually specifically after uh, the customer grid supply program uh, phased out. Now, we still have capacity in that program. Now, I, I, I'll kind of go through just for listeners to to try to define these. But customer grid supplies, um, it's like NEM. Uh, it doesn't pay a retail rate, but it pays a little bit of a reduced rate. You still get a credit on your bill on a kilowatt per kilowatt hour basis, meaning that if you use, you know, if you generate one kilowatt um, from your solar, it's going to go offset, you know, one kilowatt of your, you know, your 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 
con- consumption at that time. If you consume three kilowatts, you'll be subtracting one kilowatt at that time, you know, to not exceed a certain amount. Um, that one closed. So that customer grid, grid program closed. We still have, so it closed with some capacity mm-hmm. that's a, allowing, so that we had a whole bunch of, of, of applications that flooded in. This was the program that came mm-hmm. on board after NEM. Um, and some of those some of those customers, some of those applicants did not proceed with their applications. So those ones that didn't freed up space in that program until that capacity is reached. We have about about a megawatt right so now. So if actual customer grid supply, not <clears throat> customer grid supply plus, but cross customer grid supply, there's a yes. megawatt of that. Yeah, there's approximately that. Right. Okay. Because some people have decided to switch from, from for example, CSS, the customer self-supply, where there's no ability to export, you know, there's an export restriction mm. um, to the customer grid supply program instead, because if they already have batteries and they happen to export, they still are able to export, they're still able to get some, recover some of their cost. Right. Um, so it's actually b- more beneficial for them than yeah, say customer, su- uh, yeah. Yeah, customer self-supply. Customer self-supply is just that, you're supplying all the energy, that you, or the, you're supplying the energy from your PV system that typically is teamed up with a battery, you can't export to the grid. Uh, the idea is that uh, you build and, and size your system so that you generate enough electricity for, for you to self-consume. Um, and that is, like I said, t- typically teamed up with a battery because unless you're home during the day and you're consuming the PV as you go, uh, it, it makes more sense to time shift that energy right. to a later time. So we've got a customer customer grid <clears throat> supply. Just to clarify, folks, it sounded to me yeah. like it was one megawatt available. You're taking applications for CGS presently? Yep. Okay, that's kind of news. That was news launch that we mm-hmm, got out mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks when you had yep. the program, the forum. And then you have a uh, customer self-supply. There's no no program cap on that. Is that no, correct? No, that's correct. Um, so are we seeing those move through <clears throat> in a pretty aggressive time frame right now? Or um, how is it because it's moved out? Or no, you, you know, I think I think what's happened, too, and this is good that other battery players are, you know, coming to the table and we're seeing more battery offerings. But, uh, you know, we for a long time we had kind of it was down to, two, three, maybe four, yep. you know, battery manufacturers that were here, you know, doing business on uh, in Maui County. And there was a real shortage of batteries and, and it was really difficult. Right. You as a, as a contractor would know that, yep. you know, it it's hard to get some of that inventory, especially since uh, you've had this advancement. Tesla kind of moved the shift away from their power wall supply and moved it to the cars, you know, so that they mm-hmm. could, you know, produce their cars and get those out, especially the ones they promised for the Tesla Model 3. So um, so the customer self-supply has kind of come back a little bit. And also since, uh, you know, and this would be what we offer when we have customers call us, you know, they, they would say, hey, what's the best program for me? This is my, you know, this is my use. This is what I'm looking mm-hmm, at. Mm-hmm. You know, w- we want them to get what's best for them. And if it's an available and open program, we would like them to do that. So if it makes it to me at this point, it does make more sense with capacity still in customer grid supply that mm-hmm. you do the customer grid supply. It's great. It's great to know that's there. Now, <clears> the um, customer grid supply plus is another program. Is yeah. that is that that is capped right at about six megawatts? Am I not mistaken on that? Yeah. And so uh, do you know how much is available in that program? At the I moment? don't know I'm how sure. much is available at, the, at that moment, but <clears throat> that has a different. So unlike the customer grid supply program where it zeroes out um, at the beginning of every new month, meaning that you have to, you know, whatever you generate in that current month, that goes off, set your, your, your credit 
towards your bill for that month. Mm. Um, the customer grid supply plus is actually a 12 month annual true up. So you, get, you get a roving, like a month to month that actually goes through an entire year. Yeah, so if you overproduce. Rollover. Yeah. yeah, it's a rollover like NEM. If you overproduce in one month, it can go to offset uh, bill in another month where mm -hmm. maybe you have more consumption but less supply, right? Mm. Less production. Um, this is really good. Customer Grid Supply Plus is really good for um, part-time residents, you know, that might right. have right. condominiums or, you know, something not, well, not condominiums because they probably don't have the ability to add it at a rooftop, but they have a, a home that maybe they're using part of the year mm -hmm. and the rest of the year they, they still have their solar Snowbirds. PV system. Yeah. And that gives them the ability to, to realize nice. some of the, some of that benefit. Okay, so those are some of the core <clears throat> programs. You also just briefly you have Smart Export, right? Yep. And uh, is that a program? Is that a program like simply batteries? Like, do you need re renewable energy for that, or how does that function? Smart Export is specifically that. It, it, it's all in the name. It's about um, when you export and the amount that you would be able to get back or or recover your costs or or get a credit on your bill is going to be determined at the time of day. So it's it's what we call a time of use program or a time of, in this case, it would be a time of production program. Mm -hmm. So uh, <clears throat> unlike NEM, you know, when it comes across the meter, once it comes across the meter, you get that credit for that energy packet that, that, is, that is delivered. Smart export, we don't pay you for certain times of the day. So mm -hmm. for example, from um, in the middle of the day from, I think it's from nine till, I want to say nine to five. Four, I think. Four, nine to four, thank you, yeah. Jay. Um, nine to four, there's no payment, yep. right? So now this is what we would call a market mechanism. There's no restriction as far as, as far as uh, you know, we're not going to turn, turn off your system or something if you happen to export, but you just don't make any money. Yeah. So it so what that is is that, you know, that's obviously when your production is going to be highest is during that middle of the daytime. Um, so this is, these ones are most often, they would be teamed up with a battery because. Have you had anybody uh, apply for a smart export program? Because I, it's, I have a hard time. I think we've time, had one. I have a hard time uh, <laughs> considering who, what's an example yeah. of someone that, that would make <clears throat> sense for, you know what I mean? So maybe that's coming down the road. Is it more of like a mechanism that's there just as an incentivizer? I've, I've heard of some weird business models where you actually will, will, if you're in a time of use kind of rate scale, you can import energy when it's super cheap and store oh, it, if you, like fill a, warehouse, fill, a, fill a warehouse full of batteries and yep. take in a whole lot of energy and then export during peak times. You basically become like a mini peaker plant. Yes, so. <laughs> at that point. <clears throat> so if you were to look at the, the rate of, uh, of, of uh, credit on your bill, you know, you're going from grid supply at, you know, 17 cents, 17.16 mm -hmm. cents to, you know, uh, a customer grid supply plus of only 12, 12 cents, mm -hmm. but then you're going to smart export and it goes back up to 14 cents, yeah. right? So, so, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of based on this monetary approach, you know, the, the public utilities commission has kind of been trying to go down this, this, this kind of looking at, will the market set the trend, right? Okay. Um, that smart export, I think kind of answers that in that we have not had uh, big adoption to that. There is a lot of there are a lot of requirements in there. There's three time of use periods. Your your inverter would need to be programmed for those. Uh, in addition, if you don't have storage, you would be mm. basically losing you know any credit for what you right. sent back out to the grid. Right. Or if you did have batteries, that would be an additional investment. 
on your system. It's just like it's almost like a bounty, like an open <clears throat> bounty on energy to come in at that particular time from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Say, yeah. hey, we'll pay you mm-hmm. if uh, you can do that. So that's an interesting program. I'm really excited to see if there are some examples, right? They get set up and right. what, what makes that work for people. Yep. So let's ju- let's circle over to the bottom of this where we get a couple of other core programs before we settle in on NEM Plus, which we really want to talk about. Okay. So SI, I think we can kind of <clears> move through that pretty quickly. Standard interconnection agreement, basically like create a lot of the times for businesses, yep. CNI, large scale stuff, consuming what they produce uh, no backfeeding of note, right? And just allowing organizations to put in solar uh, and usually inverters typically for that kind of situation. Yeah, standard interconnection agreements, unless there is a real specific reason why they can't backfeed, we don't. There typically isn't a, a restriction on that. Um, but whatever they do backfeed, they don't get paid for. Gotcha. So, so gotcha. It, it, it really is there to, and you'll find the larger um, businesses, they'll do this so that they can offset their load and they're mm. not offsetting nearly their whole load, but they're offsetting some of their load. And so we're really not seeing the backfeed uh, from that system unless the business uh, tends to close down over the weekend or their ro- load gets greatly reduced. Then, yep. you know, that's typically when we would see it, it would be, that middle of the daytime, gotcha. everybody's gone. The business is kind of, you know, closed down. Okay. Okay. So SIS has been so around. So they're not while. they're not precluded from backfeeding, but they don't get any benefit for it. It depends. Typically, no, they're not precluded from backfeeding. I mean, unless there's a system constraint that would, you know, where they self choose to not backfeed because because they the they would have to make system improvements in order for their system to be able to come on. That would be much more expensive gotcha. than them. So we got so it's amazing how many programs are right here. I'm just trying I'm trying to go through the exercise of actually getting you through them all. So uh, community based, let's just wrap our head around that briefly. That's a whole other show. So (laughs) let's just say we have another show on community and just what is it basically? (laughs) Um, Okay, community based renewable energy was originally set up to um, offer um, uh, any consumer, any customer, uh, commercial or residential, the ability to um, you know in to uh, become a subscriber and buy into a uh, into a, a photovoltaic project, and this is a larger, typically a larger scale project, although the minimum size is 30 kW. So they can buy into this as a subscriber um, to get an, a, a credit offset on their on their electrical bill, um, it, and typically this will be not necessarily in the place of where they're doing business. This would be in another location. The ideal use of this program is actually for it's like somebody who lives in a condo that yeah. can't put something on their roof, but yet still wants to get renewable energy credit. Awesome. I, I and I see how that. I th- I th- <clears throat> just just to very very briefly kind of cap this. Is it like there's a there's an or- a company that comes in and says, hey, we're going to invest and put in a you know a, whatever a. 100 kilowatt or a megawatt uh, solar farm, and then they do they, at working with the utility, go out and sell access to that system? Is that how you envision the CBR? Well, so, so community based <clears throat> yeah. energy to work? Community based renewable energy. So, right now, there's a plan for two phases, I'd may, potentially even three. The first phase is very limited. We have one megawatt capacity uh, total allotted for Maui um, and 500 kW uh, kilowatts on Molokai and 500 uh, kilowatts on Lanai. Now, those um, that means that that the system size or the the applications that we would get in there's they come in as a subscriber organization, and this is kind of the the part that you know this is where they tend to be different um, players than typical uh, photovoltaic installers or you know um, uh, system developers mm-hmm. because. 
under like a PPA or something like that, they'll come in, install, and then another, you know, another company may, you know, subcontract to them to install. And then they step away and then the PPA is handled with, you know, the company that is, you know, going to be there for the long term. This is the same thing. This is a 20 year commitment to a project that says I'm, I'm opening this up to investors for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, um, it's like a it's like a purchase power agreement, mm-hmm. meaning that you you got to be there for the long haul. So the, the subscriber organization that's going to be selling this this subscribership mm-hmm. is going to probably be different than than the installer mm-hmm. who's going to come in and actually install gotcha. the panels. Well, we'll have to do a show on that as well, right? Yeah. So okay, there are two core areas that we hope to be able to focus on here, and one of them I want to get out of the way right right out of the gate is this Amendment NAM CGS CSS. <laughs> now, what, okay. I, what, what I heard from the last uh, forum was that we have the ability to expand our existing. NAM, CGS, and CSS yeah. systems, all three of those programs. So um, can you please explain that all to us? Programs, can, yeah. yeah. How does that work? Okay, so um, we realized that, uh, you know, let's say you need to replace some things on your on your PV system, um, and they don't have quite the same um, configuration or setup as, as what you originally had, and you need to make some changes. Uh, maybe you have to replace the inverter, and it's a different inverter with different potential settings or capabilities. We th- this is like a buffer. Oh, this gotcha. gives you a gotcha. this what gives you a one kilowatt buffer. Now, if you wanted to come in and just say, "Hey, I just want to add some panels," this is not the place for that to oh, d- to do that. This is, "Hey, I'm I have to make this change," because this is on a request by request basis. We look so, at every request, and you have to have some justification got it, for got it. for that. That's happening. beautiful. So, thank you. What a kind program. <laughs> I mean, really appreciate that because that complexity has <laughs> always been there. So, folks, right. like if, for example, your three kilowatt Sunny Boy went out and you can no longer get that exact system, you need to put in a three whatever or <clears> a four. Then there's the opportunity to discuss that with the utility and say, "Hey, this is why I'm making that change." Yeah, and it's that's beautiful. Thank yeah, you. And yeah. some of these NEMs, the older NEM systems, are really getting long in the tooth. I mean, I could absolutely yeah. see this being necessary in the next couple of years. Oh yeah. All right, folks. Now we made it to NEM plus. <clears throat> This is where we want to do the bulk of the show. We might need to do another one on it at this stage of the game. But uh, <laughs> that being said, NAM Plus is the most exciting thing under the sun, as far as I'm concerned. Now, you've got uh, around, se- around about 71,000 NAM system uh, holders out there all throughout uh, you know, Big Island and Oahu and Maui. And uh, from you know up until now, expanding that system, putting or I should say, putting an additional PV on that home or putting in a, a battery or putting in a combination of the two has been a pretty challenging endeavor, right? But now we've got a program that outlines that for us. So can you give us a sense of what this NEM Plus thing is? So what's happened is that uh, a lot of people's circumstances have changed over time um, where they uh, filed for a NEM application. And let's say it was a, a relatively small system of like 5KW. And then uh, they had additional family members move in, or they got an, an electric vehicle, which then has you know boosted their electrical consumption, or they added onto their house and added additional bedrooms, or they had you know they expanded their family. Um, so what this does is it allows NEM customers, net energy metering customers, to expand their system with a non-export system, meaning that you cannot export more than your original NEM application. Uh, it allows them to come in and be able to add some additional panels, maybe even battery, and um, have this non-export system offset some of those new loads that they have uh, that you know um, that they may have seen over the course of time from the original time that they that they applied for their NEM. Especially for those people, you know, some of these are ten-year-old systems, yeah. maybe even longer now. <clears throat> so a lot of people's circumstances have changed, and 
this also falls in line. I mean, a lot of this was done, especially around electric vehicles. We realized that, you know, in getting people to adopt electric vehicles and that sort of thing, we really do want them to uh, utilize, you know, home charging and, yeah. and that sort of thing because we don't have all the infrastructure needed in place to be able to service every electric vehicle customer all the time, 100%. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what that, so what does that mean? So I'm, I'm. Uh, let's say you have uh, your, your Jason, for example. You've got what do you got? A four kilowatt system, something in that territory, yep. end phase, yep. right, Jack? Yep. And it's a net metering right. system, yeah. and he's got you know uh, this, at this moment <clears throat> he doesn't have a, a bill. Let's say he's got the minimum connection charge. He's in good shape, but he's about to go out and get a Tesla or something along mm -hmm. those lines. So. Yeah. We go about size. I'm going to charge it, you know, 50% at home, and this is yep. what I need, and we size the system and all that. How do you do? How do you segregate the NIM and the the um, from an engineering perspective? Is there any guidance on that? Have you discussed that inside? Or there's, yeah, what's there's going been on? lots of talk about that. Um, you know, we've been talking about devices, like yeah. you, you had talked about connector like last week. Wit Fulton, the CEO. Hope you're listening now, Wilt. Wit, uh, yeah, definitely an amazing <laughs> technology. Yeah, and then. Um, but also in addition to that, that we've heard talk of, you know, having the the existing inverter be the limiter and then, you know, having some additional controls behind the scenes on it. What we see from from the utility is we can't see an increase in export. So there's some flexibility in how the engineering yes. works. Because I know, yeah. for example, one of our sponsors, Tabuchi Electric America, had discussed they have the capability to limit mm -hmm. the, although uh, they've got a 5.5 kilowatt inverter baked into that DC coupled, you know, comprehensive system, Correct. they have the ability to set the export at a certain number, mm -hmm. right? So if you can set it from a software or firmware perspective, then that may actually suffice uh, in, in this? Yeah, as long as you don't export more than what you're allowed in your original NEM application. Now, you got to prove that in some way, I suppose, right? You do. <laughs> um, and that's where the verification and inspection process, come, validation process comes in, you know, and uh, in the technical review is that those controls have to be in place. The other thing that's really important about this, and I, I want to make sure that customers out there know, is that you, your original NEM system, before you apply for the NEM Plus program, your original NEM system has to be compliant. Okay, so if you... Hmm happen to have this. added on to your system, then uh, y y you know, you're going to have to bring that into compliance first, and then you can apply for okay. the NEM Plus. So you got creative out there and did something that you'd have to kind of work that to exactly yeah. where it's supposed to be. And Intent, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> Before you get out there. So, okay, yeah. very interesting. <clears throat> but so as an example right now, if you, um, it, it, people could, for example, if you, they did that limiting, they had a, um, they limited their, their, their inverter for the the export to what their NEM is, you could come in and just put in PV, right? If that inverter could handle that extra PV, but you limited it to a certain power capability, right? Because that's really what the pre-approval is based on, right? The, the power export at a given moment. Am, am yeah. I am accurate in saying that? So if you have a four kilowatt NEM, that's four kilowatts of AC that you can push out at a given moment, basically. That's if, if yeah, if that's what your original application was for. Right, so then if you had, let's say you had five kilowatts of DC on a four kilowatt inverter, then um, you, as long as you kept that four kilowatt power limited capability, then you're okay. You could put maybe, if the inverter could take another kilowatt or two of just straight PV, then you could get bigger shoulders in your curve. You get more energy, right? Mm -hmm. That would be okay, you think, from a NEM plus perspective? Yeah, that's what we're discussing. I mean, it has to go through the technical review process and make sure so you're, that, that you're saying the You're saying, like, make suggestions to us right now? Is that the kind of thing? I mean, <laughs> what do you guys want? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we have, 
We have some. Um, <laughs> hey, Greg, another idea. Yeah, hey, Greg, yeah, another yeah. idea. <laughs> we do have some ideas coming through, and there's various solutions. We don't want to limit them to just, you know, we don't, we're not providing the solution. We're providing the parameter. You guys come with the solution, and we'll so, vet it out. Okay, so vertical bifacials on the ridgeline of the house. <laughs> uh, I want to personally submit that idea right, right. now, right? Can we have some help with the county in getting those uh, permitted? You want a patent on that idea is what you want, Josh. I, I think it's more like, I don't think I have a chance at that. Um, so very Absolutely. good, very good. Okay, amazing. So um, so this NEM Plus program is really exciting for people, right? So they're basically, yeah. if someone, who, who is a candidate for NEM Plus? Give me a second. Of course, the electric vehicle person we just described yeah. is one. Is there, wh wh where do you see it? You mentioned some ROI ideas. Yeah, so here's the, here's the thing about ROI. I'll, I'll try to go through this quickly because we're losing time here. But um, so... Uh, we kind of modeled, we, you know, of course we wanted to forecast what we could see because we do have so many NEM systems out there that basically if a customer was seeing about $100 or more on their existing bill that is, than their current NEM customer, then it might be worth their return on investment to, to add some additional panels. Below that, you, do, you know, it's going to, I kind of looked at a 10-year return on investment. If you're willing to shoulder it for longer than that, um, you know, you're going from your previous NEM, which was like a three to four to maybe at the most five-year return on your investment mm -hmm. because of our, you know, kilowatt per hour uh, price. But if you're willing to go longer than 10 years, then maybe, maybe, you're in the $70 range more per month, mm -hmm. uh, maybe it would make sense. But typically, we kind of put the parameters at $100 more a month for the current NEM customer, which would take you up potentially, um, potentially, uh, you know, yeah, that 10 years on you, return on investment. There you go, folks. Right from the uh, mouth of Maui Electric from Greg Kresge, the NEM Plus program. Uh, if you've got around a $100 bill and you have a NEM uh, system, then it may make sense to get uh, into NEM Plus and to augment that system. So a lot of great programs here. I'm going to recap them real fast. Customer Grid Supply, Customer Grid Supply Plus, Customer Self Supply, Smart Export, NEM Plus, Amendment, Standard Interconnection Agreement, and Community-Based Renewable Energy. This has got to be an unprecedented offering for a utility. So <laughs> thanks, Greg, for doing all this amazing work. And to everybody at Maui Electric for uh, coming in and sharing it with the coaster. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me back on. All right, you got it. And then, uh, so, hey, folks, this has been the Solar Coaster. We are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. It's been a great show. Any uh, final words, Jay? Oh, just have a great weekend, folks. Okay, a little hot Friday, everybody. Go get, go get some sun. <laughs>